Good morning, everybody. It is great to see your bright, shiny faces this morning. I'm Caleb. I'm the lead pastor here. Glad to have you joining us. I wanted to give you a little update on something. If you're brand new to the church, this might be news to you. If you've been here a little while, you'll know what I'm talking about. Our church is moving from this uh, glorious public library to a movie theater. Uh, on the corner of Beach and Warner, the Regency Movie Theater will be taking that over. We have signed the lease. It's a 15-year lease with two five-year option extensions beyond that. It could be a total of 25 years. And, uh, and we have been in this journey for quite some time with a lot of ups and downs, but we are getting closer and closer and closer, and it's very exciting. You will see on the patio a table. It says step in. That's the theme of our campaign as we move toward this theater. You will see information out there, a television with images going on, little cards that have the website address and things just for you to be able to engage, a little kiosk, the whole deal. So uh, that is, is great. We've got two teams uh, a team around the campaign, raising the funds, a team around the construction, helping us manage this thing efficiently. So we are excited. I wanted to give you that little update. We don't know exact timetables, but I will tell you this. We're in the CUP process right now with the city. We're hoping that that goes quickly. And then the owner of the whole corner, uh, Beach and Warner, kind of corner of the tower and everything else there, will give notice to the Regency Movie Theater. They will have 90 days to vacate the premises. We're hoping that that will be shorter than 90 days. Uh, and then we will get in and start doing construction somewhere in the fall. Uh, that will happen just based on stuff happening. So then the construction will take several months and we'll, they will be in. Christmas Eve would be a miracle, but that's the miracle I'm praying for. Worst case scenario, Easter, somewhere in that time frame. So you have uh, that to look forward to. I have that to look forward to. That will be so much fun. I wanted to give you uh, an update financially. So we said a year ago we need to raise $1.5 million to make this thing happen because everything's just all, you know, nice ideas and uh, lollipops and unicorns until you put money to it and say, that actually, this is what it's going to cost to get into this space, to take down a wall, to have a, a great thing, to level the other floors, to do what we do. Uh, and so $1.5 million, and that's what we've been talking about and moving toward. And I'm excited, I'm grateful to tell you that our church has accounted for a million of that already. So, Yeah. A million dollars has been either given or pledged to our Step In campaign. So thank you for your generosity. Thank you uh, for your generosity in that as we move toward this space. It's exciting. And we have $500,000 more to go. So we have a third of our goal yet to achieve. What a great opportunity if you're newer to our church or if you've just missed it and not been here when we've been talking about it to step in and to join us in this endeavor because we need everything that's been pledged to come in and we need $500,000 more to make this happen. And we're hoping that it would be pledged by October because in October, likely, is when we'll have to start, you know, cutting some stuff if, uh, if money is not available, which we are willing to do. But it will be, this isn't like a, you know, over-the-top project. You'll notice some things uh, if, if they are cut. So we're, we're trusting, we're going toward that, and I wanted to give you that update. We'll be people on the patio that can answer questions. I'm happy to answer questions afterwards or during the week if that would be helpful. Very exciting times around here. Now, 
I wanted to tell you that and give you that update about the Regency Movie Theater, our move toward that, and where we are with money. And I wanted to tell you right up front this morning, because we're in a series called Things I Wish Jesus Never Said. And some of the things that maybe you wish Jesus never said have to do with money. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And what I didn't want is for you to sit here the entire message talking about money. If there's a few of you that might sit here thinking in the back of your mind, he's going to ask us for something at the end. It's coming. He's going to ask for it. He's going to ask. He's going to ask. So I already asked. <laughs> that part's done. You know the need. You know where we stand. You know what our gap is. I'm hoping that everybody contributes. I'm hoping that we're inspired to contribute more and all of that. That's that. And now I can simply tell you what Jesus says about money, and you can do what you will with it. You can, let it, you can apply it however uh, you do in your life. Things I wish Jesus never said. Here it is. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed to give then receive. Maybe that's not a hard concept for you. Maybe you've got that. Maybe you're on board with that. Christmas is your favorite. And it's not because you get sweaters from your aunt that don't fit. It's because you get to bless the other people and they're like, oh, I got this thing. And maybe you know the beauty of giving in that context. I was talking with a mom recently and she was saying that she was over at this other mom's house and this other mom was training her kid to give the kids toys away when friends were over. So this poor kid is in his house playing with his toys and friends come over to the house and, the, and, the, and if a friend is really drawn and fascinated to a particular toy, the mom says, we're going to send that toy home with little Johnny. And so the kid whose toy it is is like devastated. It's like, that's my transformer. And so this kid, I don't know, the jury's still out on whether this is effective or not. This kid is being forced into the philosophy of Jesus that it's better to give than to receive. If you're resistant to that idea, what if we just pause for a moment and you considered that I believe and that many of us believe that Jesus was the God of the universe with skin on and that he came here to show us the real way to be human. He came to show us that God loves us so much that he would show up, sacrifice himself for the sins of the world, and give us new life and new hope in him. And if he says that it's more blessed to give than to receive, and he invented life, that maybe it's worth experimenting with this a little bit. Maybe it's worth dabbling in the whole generosity idea if the God of the universe said your life will go better this way. We are all familiar with stories in our culture about people who have lots and are terrible people. We're all familiar with people who have ascended to some level of, quote, success and are absolutely miserable to be around. There's a famous book, movie, play called, known as Scrooge, right? Ebenezer Scrooge, who famously was this greedy businessman 
who's visited one day by his old business partner who has passed on. It's this business partner's ghost. His name's Marley. Marley comes to visit him. He says, Scrooge, Ebenezer Scrooge, you got to stop living this way, dude. We, we were all about the dollar as we were coming up, and you're missing the boat here. I'm telling you, it's bad on the other side. I'm just living in chains here in my ghostly life, and, and you want to change. It's not what you think. It's not worth it. Uh, be, be different. I'm just telling you. And then he says, you're going to be visited by a couple of ghosts, three in fact, the ghost of Christmas past, the ghost of Christmas present, the ghost of Christmas future. The ghost of Christmas past shows up, takes Ebenezer Scrooge into his past, allows him to see what it was like, what he was like coming up, shows him the girlfriend that broke up with him because she couldn't marry a man that was more in love with money than he was in love with her. And he saw that again and his heart broke a little bit. And then the ghost of Christmas present takes him into the present, and he sees a man who works for him and his needy, handicapped child, Tiny Tim. And Tiny Tim is handicapped but has so much joy in life. And Scrooge says, this kid, is, he, he's here, and his dad works for me, and I, I've never even paid attention to him. And his heart breaks a little bit more and begins to open up, and then the ghost of Christmas future takes him to a graveside. And there's people that are talking about this man who has just died. And they're saying, man, good riddance. That guy was brutal. I hate that I had to do business with him. He is so t- he, All he cares about is himself and amassing wealth. The world is better now that he's gone. And Scrooge says, who are they talking about? And they zero in on the tombstone, and it's him. It's his tombstone. And Scrooge finally gets it, something like opens up in him, his mind is open, he's like, I- I've got to be different, I can't live this way, I've got to change. He wakes up in his bed the next morning and he drastically changes his ways because he discovers, in fact, it's more blessed to give than to receive. I could tell you story after story, you can think of story after story of people who make themselves miserable trying to make themselves wealthy. Uh, I asked our staff this week stories that they've experienced in terms of generosity, and Julie, who works with Graham in our student ministries, she told me a story about when she was sick and she was living in Philadelphia, and she had to be hospitalized, emergency, and her lungs were not functioning properly, and it was a, it was a serious matter. But her family needed help. They, they couldn't quickly make the flight out there, and someone stepped in that works with them and just bought them the tickets. They said, you go. You've got to go and be with your daughter. And to this day, Julie is so grateful to that person who just that little act of generosity meant so much to that family. Just in the last month, we had a significant loss uh, from one of our worship team members. And she had her mom just struggling with cancer, and her mom ultimately passed away. And she didn't have money. She didn't have money to go and make these regular trips. She needed to keep working. She needed to uh, provide for herself. But this team, almost all volunteers on this stage that you see week after week, this team rallied together, gave her a bunch of cash, and bought her extra plane tickets and said, you go be with your family. You go be with your mom. We want to support you in this. It's important. And it made such a difference to her and to that family. 
Giving and generosity is like a muscle. Those kinds of things, those kinds of people, they don't do stuff like that unless they have practiced it. It's not all of a sudden one day you're rich and you become generous. It doesn't work that way. Generosity is a muscle. You train it. You build it. You grow it. As you do, you learn. Turns out, wow, it's better. It's better this way. It is more blessed to give than to receive. One of my mentors, he told me years ago, this would have been 15 years ago, he said that his goal was not just to give 10% of his money away, because he reads that in Scripture. He says, that's a, that's a pretty good baseline. But my goal, he said, is to live on 10 and give away 90. And I said, that sounds ridiculous. <laughs> uh, I don't know how that's going to work for you uh, unless you intend on winning the lottery or something in my, in my mind. And he said, oh, no, 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 I'm going to do it. In fact, I'm already giving 24% away. I was like, what? You're already giving 24%? He goes, yeah. Every year, my wife and I sit down and we look through our finances and we ask ourselves, can we give a percentage more? Can we give a percentage more? And we've built it all the way up to 24% and we're going to keep going. You know what happened to that guy two years later? Because I believe of that choice to increase giving and be generous. He wrote the best-selling nonfiction hardback book of all time. It sold over 40 million copies. And the first thing he did was give away 90% of the money and live on 10. And you could think, well, I could live on 10% of that. <laughs> but you wouldn't unless you started the journey of generosity unless you started building those muscles, unless you started training yourself to be generous, when the windfall hits, you would just keep doing what you're doing otherwise. Jesus told a story about a guy who had a lot of stuff. It's in the book of Luke, chapter 12, verse 16. Jesus tells a parable. He says, The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. What would an American do? Rent a storage unit <laughs> and just fill that thing up and then rent a bigger one and then die and it's someone else's disaster to deal with. And your family hates you. <laughs> Verse 18, then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, self, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. Why did this guy talk to himself? Because he had no friends. <laughs> Isn't that what happens? You just accumulate gain, 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 gain. It's all about you. All you're focused on is the dollar and more, 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 more. You isolate yourself from other people. You isolate yourself from friendships. You start to be suspicious that everyone just wants your money and it's just you talking to yourself about your grain. It happens all the time. You know people like this. He talks to himself. Notice that in the first line it said that the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. The ground of the rich man. 
The ground is involved in the production of grain. Did you know that? Now, I'm sure that he was really disciplined and diligent. I'm sure that he did great, really smart, and he knew how to operate the thing, and he knew how to cultivate the soil, and he had a role to play in the harvest coming in 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 the manner that it did. But it's important to remember the ground always plays a role. And there are circumstances and there are things that are outside of your control that are acting on you all the time. He can't control the climate. He can't control the weather. He can't control the base soil down there. He can't control those things. God has something to do with you earning, building, growing, making what you make. He's given you the brain. He's given you the hands. He's cultivated the context and the relationships, it's not all about you. And it wasn't all about him. And the fact of the matter is that God had given this man through the ground everything that he had. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Who gets Whatever's yours when you die. Someone else. The state will take quite a bit of it. And other people will take the rest. Is it generous to give your stuff away in a will? No. That's called inevitable. (laughs) It's all going to somebody else. And he's saying, don't just store up for yourself. It could all be taken away from you like that. I had a friend who uh, I invited to come to church. I don't think he has yet. Maybe he's here right now. (laughs) But I don't think he has come yet. The reason he gave me that he didn't want to come is that God just wants his money. And this passage is very clear. If God wants your money, he'll take it. Here's the last verse. Here's how that story ends. This is how it will be, Jesus said, with whom whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. You can have, you can be rich in an earthly way. You can be rich with stuff. You can be rich with dollars. You can also be rich in your relationship with God. If you focus on being rich with stuff and dollars, you're not going to have the rich relationship with God. If you make sure to have a rich relationship with God, you might also have the stuff. But the beautiful thing is you won't even care anymore because you'll know what it's really all about. You'll know what actually satisfies and brings fulfillment if you start with a rich relationship with God. But here's the deal. Here's what happens to most of us. It's it's not your fault. No one's mad at you. This is the culture that we live in. You are brought up in a culture of consumption. And here's the consumption assumption. If it comes to me, it's for me. If it comes to me, then it must be for me. If it's in my bank account, it's mine to do what I please. If it comes to me in some way, shape, or form... It obviously is meant to bless me. And here's what happens. Let's throw this uh, image on the screen here. 
Money comes to you, and in our consumer context that we live in, in America, in Orange County, we tend to spend as much or more than we make. If the consumption assumption is, if it comes to me, it's for me, then we spend it all, and sometimes more. And that's why most Americans are in debt, because they spend more than they make. And when they spend more than you make, then that means you are in debt. You owe. And that produces no margin in your life, which produces stress. And stress is a type A American word for fear. You're afraid. They're afraid in this cycle. Which, when you're afraid and you're stressed, you spend more. Take another credit card out, you go into more debt. There's no margin, there's more stress, and around and around this cycle goes. So what would it take, do you think, if you just, this is rhetorical, don't shout it out because I don't want you to indict yourself. What, what do you think it would take for you? Is there a number that you have thought through, kind of processed, for you to get out of this cycle, have no more stress, you would have no debt. You wouldn't go into debt anymore. You would just be worry-free. Do you have a number that you are focused on aiming toward, that you're trying to get to, to rid yourself of all this stress and complexity? If you have a number that you're ready, that's quickly in your head, you might want to consider it's possible that money is your God. Because you are putting your trust and your hope in dollars, in a certain number of dollars, as if that will set you free from this cycle, that that would somehow bring you peace, satisfaction, joy. And it can't. It can't. It doesn't matter how much more you get. You will keep doing what you're doing unless you begin to learn to give, unless you realize that just because it comes to you it doesn't mean that it's all for you, and unless you begin to believe and trust that it's actually better and more blessed to give than to receive. Uh, I need a volunteer, or I'm just going to call on somebody. Kristen, you're my volunteer. Easy access to the stage. This is Kristen Calgill, everybody. Can we give her a hand? Kristen, you have three kids, including two young twins. You could use this $20. So, I'm scared. <laughs> you don't have to do anything crazy. I am just going to give you this $20 bill. All I would ask for you is that you, somewhere in your heart, are a little bit grateful and that you enjoy it. Okay. Fair enough? There you go. <laughs> Thank you, Kristen. So here, simple illustration. Hopefully, you can extrapolate in your mind with me the possibility that Kristen will actually appreciate that $20 bill and that because she appreciates it, she will go and do something fun or that she will go and uh, not eat Top Ramen, but she'll have like a good meal or that she'll spend something on her kids or, that, or maybe she'll even have lunch with somebody else. Because what happens is if I take my $20 and I just buy another shirt, 
then I'm the only one who benefits. If I pass on a $20 bill to Kristen, now she gets a sense of joy and appreciation and excitement that she has $20 that she can spend on lunch that she didn't previously have. And maybe if she operates from that sense of gratitude, she'll pass that gratitude on to someone else. Maybe in a meal, maybe, maybe in a few days with some other amount of money that she gets. And the generosity continues, and the cycle goes forward. And there's appreciation, and there's excitement, and there's hope. And generosity, friends, just a simple act of generosity can change the world around you. It's a very small example, but you see the implications It actually is, in a practical way, more blessed to give than to receive. And I've just compounded the blessing. And Kristen will compound it further. So the alternative to the consumer cycle is this cycle. This is the contentment cycle. That means whatever comes to you, you give first. That that's where you start. You start by breaking the assumption that if it comes to you, it's for you, and you give something away, some portion of it away, you give first, then you save, you live on what's left, and you'll experience peace. And then you'll feel free to give and save and live on what's less, and you'll have peace. Imagine that. Imagine peace. Imagine contentment. Imagine actually being satisfied in this crazy Orange County culture that we live in, satisfied with the generosity that God has extended to you. It will not happen when you hit a number. It will happen when you make a decision to trust God that it's more blessed to give than to receive. So, to go on the journey to generosity, let's consider this. Here's, here's the journey of generosity. It starts with being a consumer. A consumer is someone who says, money equals security. If I get it, I spend it. That's the consumer cycle. This is the consumer mentality. If I get more, I'm going to spend more. And from consumer, we move to negotiator. This is the person that says, uh, how is this donation going to benefit me? I'll contribute, to, I'll give you this 20, Kristen, but I want to go to lunch with you and you buy my lunch. Uh, let's, let's negotiate on how this blessing is going to play out. What's in it for me? From negotiator, we move to the do-gooder. I'll contribute to alleviate my guilt. Let's just keep God happy. I'll throw some dollars, I'll throw some dollars his way. And then you move to the benefactor. The benefactor says, I'll give. I'll even give a lot, but only when I'm flush, like when things are going well. I'll, I'll give at the end of the month when there's stuff left over. I'll, I'll give to you, sure, 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 but you know, when, when I've got lots out of my surplus. But then to be a generous giver means to give early, to give often, and to give gladly. To give early, to give often, and to give gladly. So I want to talk just for a second about becoming a generous giver. The first thing is to give early. Proverbs 3 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with, its first, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. In other words, start. Start right at the beginning. And give first. It was on that cycle. Give first. When you give first, that you're showing that you trust God. It's not an afterthought. 
Now, you can give first at the beginning of the month. You can also give first in terms of your, where you are right now, starting young, not waiting until some other day when you have excess. Uh, my friend uh, Beth has a daughter named Gigi, and uh, she was telling me this week that her daughter Gigi gave some money to somebody. And her daughter Gigi's only 13 years old. And Gigi wanted to support her friend who was going on a trip. I can't remember where the trip was, but they were, they were going out of the country. And Mariners does these kind of trips, these mission trips this way, where they invite friends and family to contribute to the trip so that other people are invested and involved and praying and participating in some way. And so Gigi wanted to support her friend going on this trip. And her friend needed $500 left. And Gigi started telling other people, hey, we need to support, we need to support. And then Gigi thought, well, what, what can I do? I'm 13, I have a small allowance, but I, I, I want to give. So she gave money to her friend. Her friend comes back and tells Gigi's mom, Beth, um, did you know that Gigi gave me $50 for my trip? And Beth was like, oh, my daughter is generous? That's awesome. And then she got concerned for a second. She goes, where did she get $50? <laughs> and she checked her purse. And then she was like, okay, that money's accounted for. And then she went to Gigi and she said, Gigi, uh, I'm so happy that you gave $50 to your friend to go on this trip. That's so generous of you. But um, where did you get that $50? And she said, oh, that's the money Grandma gave me for my birthday. And Beth remembered that just in the previous month that Grandma had sent a $50 bill to Gigi. And she had saved it, and she had given this person the whole $50 for her trip. And Beth says to me, it's possible that Gigi just has no concept of money. <laughs> or she's learning to be generous. She might be learning to be generous. So give early. Number two is give often. Give often. If you asked me if I do yard work, I would say, yes, I do yard work. If you asked Hillary if Caleb does yard work, <laughs> Hillary would say, absolutely not. <laughs> In fact, to, to prove my point that I do yard work, I was helping her dad, who was building stuff in our yard this past week, and I texted Hill and I said, Hill, can you send me a photo of me helping your dad in the yard? And her response, I would have needed a high-speed camera <laughs> to capture an image of you helping my dad in the yard. See, I think that I do yard work because I've done yard work this year. Uh, Hillary thinks doing yard work means like habitually, like on, like on the regular, uh, which I don't do. So the question is, are you generous? Well, yeah, I was generous once. Well, okay. Or are you generous as a pattern? Are you generous often? Are you training yourself to grow in generosity by practicing generosity, by regularly giving, not just random acts of working in the yard, not just random acts of doing good, not just random acts of giving, but often with consistency and regularity. We give early. We give often. There was a um, 
family in our church that last week, if you were here last week, you might remember that I mentioned there, uh, there's a girl that's going through Rooted right now, and she was, it, she decided to do Rooted. She felt like God was nudging her in that way. It was out of her comfort zone. She was new to the church. She wasn't really sure, and she just said, all right, I'm in, and the group started to bond, and she was excited, and she asked the group to pray that she would get a job because she didn't have a job, and then she got a job offer, but the job offer was asking her to work in the evenings, and she would have to drop out of Rooted. And so she turned down the job. She's told the girls, because I need to stay in this group with you. I feel like this is what's more important right now. So I told that story last week, and a family comes up to me on the patio, and she says, they say, what's that girl's name? And I said, I don't actually know, but she's in this group. And they said, well, here, give this to her. And they gave me a check with the line blank to, put, to fill her name in and said, we want to support her this month before she finds her job. That kind of stuff happens all the time. And that is a family that doesn't just do random acts of generosity. You don't write that kind of a check if you just do random acts of generosity. That is a family who practices generosity often. They are the kind of people that give early and give often, and they have trained themselves, and they believe that it is turns out it really is more blessed to give than to receive. The third and final thing is to give gladly. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Give early, give often, give gladly. In fact, if you feel any compulsion ever in this space to give, don't. I say this every session of Rooted, and I'm going to say it again here today. If you are not comfortable and excited about contributing to what God is doing through our church, don't give here. Don't give. But give somewhere. You need it. You need to for your own heart, for your own soul. It's better this way. You don't want to be that kind of person, a Scrooge kind of person that goes down that path. I know that's not what you want for yourself. So give somewhere. But begin to practice generosity. It's worth it. Hillary and I, uh, as we processed giving in our marriage, um, it was something that I grew up doing. My parents, they taught me, you know, you get $10, you give the first dollar to God or the church, and you give a dollar to save, and then you live on the rest. And so my dad taught me that from a young age. Hillary wasn't raised that way. It was new to her. So as we were, as we were kind of figuring out what we were going to give over these last seven, eight years, uh, she had to kind of get on board with this whole thing. I was like, I give 10% of what I make to the church. And she might say said what you would say, like, doesn't the church pay you? And yeah. And then you just give 10% back to the church? Yeah, I can't help it. The church pays me, so I just, you know, I do it. I do it. And she goes, all right. And she got on board and went along with it, and here we go, giving. And then when the whole movie theater came, and we were like, we have this opportunity to move into this space, to reach more people, to be a beacon of hope and light in this city on the second busiest intersection in Orange County. Are you kidding me? Of course, of course we're going to move at this. But Hillary, I can't ask 
everyone else in the church to give sacrificially if we're not going to give sacrificially. So we're going to have to give sacrificially. And she's like, oh, you mean more than what we already do? Because <laughs> I was just getting my mind around that. And I was like, yeah, more. So we sat down and we worked through our budget. What can we cut? We, you know, we cut the cable bill. Okay, sorry, no more pedicures. Uh, we're going to have to slice here, slice there. And we came to a number that we thought over the next two years, if we were really disciplined, that we could probably save up this much to give to the Step In Building campaign. And we're like, all right, that's a hefty amount. Let's do this. And then Hillary says, do you think that like, if we can figure out how to do that with a pen and paper, that maybe it doesn't require much faith? I was like, Oh my gosh, okay, you think we should give more than that? She's like, I don't know, I mean, maybe we should just pray about and consider giving more. So we did, we spent another week praying and we felt like God wanted us to double that number, which is the equivalent of doubling what we already give to the church. And here's what happened. She started doing some Pilates things and giving that money toward the Step In campaign and I finished writing a book that I had written and two months later, I got my first publishing deal. My other books that I'd written netted me exactly zero dollars, and <laughs> this was my first publishing deal, and the advance that the publisher gave me for the book was the perfect amount to cover what we had pledged to the Step In campaign. Now, I'm not telling you that if you give to the church, God's going to give you a publishing deal. It's not a one-for-one one like that. I will tell you with absolute confidence and certainty, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It's better this way. It's better for you. The blessings compound, they multiply, they go on. And it's how you live a rich, full, and satisfying life that God intends for you. Will you stand with me as we respond? God, we thank you for being generous to us. We thank you for all the rich blessings in our life. We want to be rich in relationship to you. Help us to trust you, inspire generosity in us, and meet us here as we respond to you.